about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. I hate to see people beating up, I hate to see the devil beating up on people when it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary because we're victors. We're overcomers. We're not victims, you know. And if we have that stinking thinking, that victim mentality, we've got to get rid of it quickly. Quicker the better. Amen? Cool. Cool. Okay. So the message I have this morning for you is called The Law of the Kingdom. The Law of the Kingdom. Now, this is kind of neat because, <laughs> because, you know, Pastor has been uh, uh, preaching about the kingdom now for two years plus, okay? Now, I don't mean this to be specific, but in general, how many messages over the years have you heard about the law? That's, that's a bad word. Don't, don't, don't talk to me about the law because I've been set free from the law and I don't want anything to do to, with the law. And, 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 and because I've been freed from the law, uh, no one's going to put me back under it. And, and you know, that, that law thing, that, that's, that's, that's a Jewish thing. That was for centuries ago. That's, that's not for today. These are some of the remarks. These are some of the mindsets. These are some of the opinions that perhaps you have shared at one time or another. I know at one time I did, okay, so I'm willing to fess up this morning, and I'm asking you to fess up as, as well to yourselves. You don't have to stand up and wave a flag. Bless the Lord. I wouldn't dare do that to you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you see, in this area, what we're going to do this morning in this area that is so very, very important is to bring out truth. And how many of you know, specifically in this day and in this hour, truth, truth, truth is everything. And Yeshua himself, Jesus said, I am the truth. So we can always go to that level of truth knowing that anything that Yeshua says and anything that he proclaims in his word is what we can put our confidence and trust in at all times. And I'm not going to go into the social and uh, political uh, arena today, but, but you know what the struggle has been for years now, particularly the last four years, hello, about truth. If we don't know the truth, how can we be set free? So what we're dealing with uh, this morning, and, and Pastor mentioned this a few weeks ago, was awesome, is a question of undoing Ignorance. What is ignorance? Ignorance is lack of knowledge. 
And if it's lack of knowledge, it's lack of truth. And if it's lack of truth, ignorance has got some darkness into it. Okay? And I know none of us want to walk in darkness. We want to walk in the light. And so hopefully this, this morning, we're going to be shedding light into this area of darkness so that there will be revelation, so that there will be lives changed and surgery done up here in the head and, of course, here in the heart as well. I, I'm so glad this message is being recorded. I'm so glad that it will be accessible online. Um, because um, those who aren't here today, uh, personally, I think are, are missing something unless they're going to get this message. It's that to me, it's that important. Okay. So, oftentimes we hear, we hear the word law, L A W, and there's almost like a cringing within us. There's almost like a a, a reaction, um, and, and yet, you know. We all know that we walk in freedom. But I'm here to tell you this morning that with freedom comes responsibility. And that responsibility is to seek knowledge and to seek truth. Let's not throw out the very precious baby with the bathwater. Because the baby's name is truth. Amen? Okay, so let's get into it. You've heard about the curse of the law. The curse of the law. I don't want to be cursed. You're not going to be cursed when you walk in obedience. You see, there's two aspects. Paul talks about this, by the way, in Galatians 3 and 13. And I'm not going to go into it this morning because, you know, I, we'd be here at 3 o'clock today. But there are, there are two areas of curses that you need to be concerned about. One is the curse that comes upon anyone who does not obey the law. Very simple. It's not complicated. But, the, but, but God says in his word, if you don't, if you make a decision to be disobedient, if you make a decision to be in rebellion, to do your own thing, to be your own person, to do what you want to do, and to disobey my laws, then there's a curse. Now, that's simple enough, and you knew that, I think, right from the get-go. That's the curse of the law. There's another aspect to the curse of the law, and that is one that takes the law and believes that that's the only way to go, and does this, and does this, and does all of the religious trappings so that they can obtain the gift of salvation. And fortunately, many of those people are not sitting in this church today, um, but their whole lives, their whole lives are dedicated to dotting every I, crossing every T, et cetera, et cetera, so that they can perform, you understand, that they can perform, and that by their performance, they will be rewarded. No, I'm sorry, they're going to be cursed. Because the Bible says, quite frankly, 
that without faith, we cannot please God. And if you don't have faith, you're right back into religion. Deeds, acts. I can remember. I was there at one time. When the church was open, I was, I, I, I was there, you know, even sprinkling myself with water. Once in a while, I had an extra dime. I'd light a candle or do something like that. Yeah, I'd even do that, Heather. <laughs> now I do this. I bless the people. I don't want to. Praise God. Okay, so let's get into it, and let's see what Yeshua has to say about the subject of the law and the kingdom. Turn with me, if you would, into Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. And this is Yeshua speaking. And he says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy. I'm come to fulfill. Do you understand? Now, there were those that were waiting to hear him say that he was there to destroy the law. Oh, boy, would that be nice. Now I can commit adultery. Now I can steal. Now I can cheat. Now I can hate, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But Yeshua didn't say that. Yeshua said, I have not come to destroy, but instead I have come to fulfill. For verily I say to you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot, or one tittle shall in no way wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. Fulfilled. So Yeshua is telling us that he has come to fulfill the law. I, I love that word, fulfill, because what it really means is to fill to the fullness, even to the overflow, if you like, you see? And so when, when Yeshua says, I've come to fulfill the law, I, I want to listen up and see, wow, how are you going to do that? How are you going to take this old covenant set of what in many instances we think are rules or regulations, and how are you going to make them come alive? Thank you, my brother. How are you going to make them come uh, to make sense? How are you going to make them come so that we can walk in freedom and truth? So Yeshua explains the law of his kingdom so that we as his subjects or citizens of the kingdom could live in a way that pleases him. And so what he does is he combines old covenant commands with new covenant applications. Number one, let me just talk a little bit about being a citizen or a subject of the kingdom. Because... You see, living in a republic 
with a democratic form of government, it's kind of difficult for us to, to acclimate to the whole concept of what a kingdom is and how a kingdom exists. But you know, um, we have done a lot of, um, well, travel and uh, research into the Middle East, okay, and even into Europe and even into other parts uh, of the country. Um, and we need to understand that this concept of kingdom is not foreign to the rest of the world. It may be to us as Westerners, as Americans, okay, but from many, many, many nations throughout, throughout the globe, there is a king. And whatever that king says has better be done. Because whenever he speaks, it's the law. You understand. And, that, and that, that can change from day to day, depending upon the weather, depending upon circumstances, depending upon the economy, depending upon who your neighbors are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're a subject and a citizen of the kingdom, you need to take your instructions from the king. Isn't that right? And you need to be obedient to whatever the king proposes. It's very, very simple. Okay? So let's look at what Yeshua has to say about kind of bridging that gap between the old covenant commands with new covenant applications. Turn with me into Matthew chapter 5, please. And let's start in, in verse 21. Now, there's going to be three scriptures here in a row, and Yeshua is speaking to the people, and he's instructing them. He's teaching them. He's bringing truth forth. Okay, And in each instance, he says, Ye have heard that it was said. In other words, it, you have heard what it was said in the past, but now listen intently. Okay, And in, in verse 21 here in Matthew 5, he says, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, that is time in the past, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. In other words, he's quoting them from Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, and saying, Thou shalt not kill. That's, you've heard that. You, you know about that already, he's saying. Verse 22. But I say unto you, that but is very, very important. That but is what we call a conjunction in English, and it connects phrases, okay? So it's a connection between what he has just said. You've heard this in the past, but, 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 listen, listen carefully because something new is coming now. I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of, judge, of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Is that clear? 
hell fire? Is that descriptive enough? And is that directive enough? God says, if you're angry without a cause, now everyone says, oh, yo, yeah. Yeshua got angry. He went into the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers, etc., etc. But that was justifiable anger. But if someone cuts you off here on the road, or someone doesn't respond to your email or to your text, or your neighbor does something that you don't like, or one of his kids damages part of your flower garden or something like that, or puts his hand into your pet goldfish bowl or something, you know, and you want to get angry just for that. Yeshua says, hold it now. Hold it now. If you want to say raka, raka is a, a Hebrew or an Aramaic word that means uh, empty-headed or, or foolish. Uh, it's actually a word of, of contempt. It's not a very nice word in the Hebrew or the, or, or the Aramaic. Okay, but, but, you, but Yeshua was saying here, don't even be angry for any reason, including hatred, resentment, bitterness, offense. Do not keep score, because if you're keeping score, then there's something there in your heart that needs to be dealt with. Okay? So, so what he's done here is he's taken the old covenant concept, do not kill, and he has expounded upon it. This is something new. This is something challenging. I, I, don't, I, I don't ever have a problem. I never even had a thought, I don't think, since I've been saved, of killing anyone. I mean, that's just totally re repulsive to me even harming another person, okay? So I don't have to worry about do not kill. I ain't killing nobody, okay? But now, when it comes to being angry in its different shapes and its different forms and different manifestations, manifestations, okay? I, I've got a challenge, okay? And perhaps you have a challenge as well. Bless the Lord. Thou shalt not kill Okay, Matthew 5 and 27. Here we go again. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, that means of yesterday, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart, in his heart. He takes the command from the old covenant. He doesn't ignore it, but now he expands upon it. And he talks about a man looking upon a woman with lust in his heart. He says, you've already committed adultery. Now, for some of you ladies here today, that may be difficult to understand, but I think most of us men here, being men, 
being created by God to be um, visible beings. That is, we're always looking, 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 drawing conclusions, using logic, using intelligence, and sometimes using that ugly thing called lust. Okay? Lust starts as a seed, you know? That's why you, when you turn on your computer, you've got to be so careful. You turn on your cell phone, you've got to be so careful. You turn on your television, you've got to be so careful. You've got to be so careful wherever you are today to guard your eyes. We, we understand that as men. We understand that as, as, as believers. It, it's kind of like, it works like this. A bank robber does not wake up one morning and go to his wallet and find that he doesn't have any cash and say to himself, hmm, I think I'm going to rob a bank today. It doesn't work like that, okay? He got up a month ago and, and he looked into his wallet. There wasn't any money there. And he said, hmm, wonder what it would be like if I had another... 20, 30, 40, 50,000 dollars in my wallet instead of having nothing. Okay? And then a week later, you see how sin progresses? He starts to plan. And then a week after that, he starts to case out the joint. And then a week after that, he takes one step after another, after another, after another. Read, uh, read uh, 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 James uh, chapter 1. And you'll see the progression of, of sin. Okay? Well, so too with lust. So too with lust. Lust just doesn't, I mean, lust is always there as a temptation, and there's nothing wrong with being tempted. But if you entertain that temptation and flirt with it, and then sooner or later start to dwell upon it, you're going to get in big trouble, and that trouble is called S-I-N, sin. So Yeshua here is going from do not commit adultery. I don't have to worry about not committing adultery. This lady here takes such good care of me, and she keeps me so close to home. I mean, there's no options. <laughs> Isn't that right, my beloved? <laughs> but if I'm out at the gym pumping iron or something, you know, and 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 one of these um, you, you you know what I'm saying, you know. Female athletes. There you go. That's that's cool. Female athletes. Yeah, they're athletes. Plus, I better move off this very quickly. I'm going to right now, I promise you. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. So here's Yeshua again. He starts out with, thou shalt not kill. No problem. Thou shalt not lust. Um, uh, oh, okay. You know, there's the challenge. Okay. And, and of course, we are overcomers, my brothers and sisters, and sisters, there may be some sisters that by their dress, by their apparel, by their 
undress, I don't know what you call it, you know, immodesty. Um, they're just as guilty as the, the man that looks. I mean, it's almost like a, you know, a two-way street. You know, if, if you were uh, properly dressed, sister back there in the corner, there's no one there, ha-ha, <laughs> uh, then I wouldn't be tempted. Well, that's no excuse, but the fact of the matter is that we, we've got responsibilities here, you know, on both parts. Okay, let's move on. Bless the Lord. Get out of that one. Okay, Matthew 5 and verse 43. Matthew 5 and verse 43. Here we go again. You have heard that it has been said. So what's Yeshua doing? Once again, he is referring back to the law. Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Ooh. Ooh. I'm getting stretched now. I'm going beyond all human level, okay, into a level that is almost like superhuman. It's supernatural. It's going to take something special to get me to love a lady in the legislature from California. In fact, there's two of them. No, there's three of them. Oh, there's a whole bunch of them. Glory to God. And I got to love them and bless them. Bless them and do good to them. Ah! Ah! Yeah? This is what Yeshua is calling us to. It's a lot different, isn't it? He affirms the law command, and then he adds something new. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's amazing. But this is all in the process of him fulfilling the law, bringing us to the point where we're going to be more than conquerors. We're going to be more than victorious. Okay, let's go on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's challenging. But what Yeshua is doing here is he's attempting to take us from religious bondage and, and set us into a new um, frame of mind, new thinking, that demands a heart change. There's no way that you can love your enemy and bless your enemy and do good for them unless there's a heart change. It's as plain and, and simple as that. That's what God's calling us to do. And he says a new command he gives them, allowing them to please God. How many of you know that it would please God to love our enemies, to do good to them, to bless them? Yeah. And this is what it's all about. John 13, please, and verse 34. John 13, 
and verse 34. <clears throat> a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. So Yeshua as king is saying, as he explains the law of his kingdom, he gives us more opportunities to love him. And by the way, by the way, when he talks to us about loving our neighbor and loving ourself, I need to say this to you this morning. Your smile, your face should give you away. Hello. Do you hear what I'm saying? I see some grouchy-faced Christians. Bless the Lord, their heads are down. I think if they smiled, they'd had cracked something up in the upper jaw or something. They'd probably suck on a whole glass of lemon juice every morning just to make sure that they don't get misunderstood. But you know, honestly, this is what people are looking at. They're looking at your face. They're looking at your, 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 your conduct. Um, I, I think many of you know that you know, Wendy and I have a ministry to the Jewish people, and so we spend every other Sunday for the most part down in uh, Palm Beach County <clears throat> at different Jewish meetings. They're secular meetings. There's never any mention made of Abba, uh, Hashem, Adonai, Elohim, uh, et cetera, et cetera. They're just as secular as can be. And uh, some of our Jewish friends and colleagues are... Um, I mean, you, you, you know, you can find words in the dictionary that very aptly describe them. I'm not going to really get into it. It's not so important, but, but um, there's a word called arrogance. And um, some of them are very, very good at that. <laughs> you know, they know that we're Christians. You know, we, they know that we're evangelical Christians. Um, and so they have a certain amount of, of, of um, respect for us, uh, but they pretty much treat us like they do their other Jewish friends. <laughs> I guess we should be complimented. <laughs> We've been received. <laughs> so we get, um, not some very special treatment, but we get a different kind of love. But So this is an opportunity for the two of us to evangelize with our mouths shut. See, we don't preach to them. We don't try to evangelize them. But we do love on them, and they know it. And they sense it. And every once in a while, a little something comes back and says, why are you guys here amongst all of us obnoxious Jews? <laughs> because we love you. <laughs> Now, some of them, we've gotten to the point where we can say to them, we love you. You know, I mean, to me, that's a, <laughs> that's a major move in the right direction, okay? Now, I'm saying all that, I'm sorry, not to brag on us at all, but what I'm, I'm saying all that to say to you is that you have opportunities 
every day to love the unlovable. You do. Particularly where you work. Particularly where you live. Particularly... Are you laying hands on my brother or are you... Oh, okay. That's cool. Particularly where you shop, any place that you frequent, even more so in your families. Hello. Hello. I'm talking about the unsaved people in your families that you're believing on getting saved. Okay? And some of them are... Some of the remarks they make are hurtful. Some of the remarks they make, you know, you'd like to lay hands on them with a frontal position, <laughs> if you know what, what I'm saying, okay? But you still got to love them. You got to love them no matter what they say, no matter how they act, no matter what their opinions are, no matter how they vote, no matter what they think about what's going on in Washington, D.C., or Miami, or New York, or Detroit, or L.A. This is not me speaking. This is Yeshua speaking. Amen? Did I read John 13, 34? Did I get there yet? Someone help me. Read it again. Yeah, okay. So therefore, we see the Mosaic commands are extended by this new and better way. In other words, it is no longer sufficient just to obey the Torah, the first five books um, of, of the Bible, um, or the, what we call the law, because the king says there's now a new and a better way to come, and I'm expecting you to walk in it. And when you walk in it, you'll be walking in freedom and not in drudgery because it'll be motivated by the action of your heart. So let's examine this new way because this new way was prophesied even before Yeshua was on the scene. How do you like that? Really? But, you know, we're full gospel people, dear saints. That means we believe everything from Genesis 1 right up and through to the end of the book of Revelation. We can't go home and read the Bible with the scissors and cut out little pieces that are a little offensive or a little too difficult, etc., etc., or use whiteout or anything like that. No, 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 no. It's a full package. You don't want to miss uh, any of the goodies. So let's not do that. Turn with me into Ezekiel. Ezekiel is known as one of the major uh, prophets um, in the Tanakh in the Old Testament. And what Ezekiel has to say is extremely, extremely important, particularly to this discussion this morning. Because in Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 26... God says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart 
of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. That's the reason. That's the reason I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to take out the stony heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. In other words, I'm going to change your heart from stony to flesh. How many of you remember back when, before you were saved, that you had a stony heart? Hello? I do. I mean, God spoke to me over and over and over again. And sometimes it was like, you know, 2 a.m. in the morning, uh, playing a big shot, leaning on the bar. You know, and I'd hear that still small voice of God saying, when you're coming home, when you're coming home, when you're coming home, shh, go away, go away. Another drink, please. You know, stony heart. I mean, totally, totally uh, repugnant uh, to the things of God. I didn't want to hear about God. I was too guilty. I was too shameful. I was too loaded with sin. But Ezekiel here, dear saints, is talking about Pentecost. 2,000 years before Pentecost arrived, or 1,000 years anyhow, 1,000, 2,000, doesn't matter. Okay? He's talking about Pentecost. He's talking about you getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the only way your stony heart can be changed, can be transformed to a heart that is, is made of flesh, a heart that can absorb God's love and give it back out, plain and simple. Pentecost. The prophet says that God's Spirit will allow his laws to be kept and his people to please him. God is so good. So he knew the first time around when he tried with his people Israel and they failed so utterly. He said, well, this time going to make a new covenant with my people. And this time, I'm going to give them what it takes so that they can do the impossible, so that they can love me and love their brother and love their sister and love themselves. And I'm going to do it in a supernatural way. I'm going to do some supernatural heart surgery. Oh, God is an awesome, awesome cardiologist. Let me tell you something. He knows how to deal with the heart, and he knows your hearts right now, today, right where you're sitting. He knows your heart. That's wonderful. That's awesome. Because he's in the process of not only doing surgery, but he's in the process of stretching us. He's in the process of growing us. He's in the process of challenging us. He's in the process of taking us from glory to glory to glory to glory.
to glory, and he's never finished. Amen. It's awesome. It's, it's just wonderful. Okay, let's look at another major prophet, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31 and verse 31. Jeremiah 31 and verse 31. And here we have a prophetic look into the future. Because Jeremiah says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. So what's God saying? God's saying, I'm, he's prophesying, and he's saying, I'm going to do something in a period of time that is to come. I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. God's saying to all men, I'm giving you a second chance. God says to all men, Jew and Gentile alike. You Jews blew it, but so did you Gentiles. So I'm going to give you a new way, a new covenant. Covenant is God's promise. If God makes a promise, he's not a man that he can lie. Amen? Amen. So God says it, it's done. It's over with. As soon as he says it's, it, it's done. That's the way God works, by his creative power. God says, I'm making a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And I will put my law into their inward parts, into their spirits, and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Isn't that awesome? Here again we see Pentecost being prophesied thousands of years before it actually happened. And I don't know, I just want to reiterate this, but I, I know I don't want to be redundant, but both of these major prophets are in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, the old way. Can you see the connection there? Can you see the absolute need for the fulfillment of that word that was spoken through the prophet Ezekiel, through the prophet Jeremiah, that it would be, that it would be fulfilled because Yeshua told us that he was not there to destroy these words. Oh, no! Oh, no! But he had come to fulfill these words. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And so Abba sends Yeshua, who was sitting at his right hand, down to the earth. He took on 
the shape of a man, etc., etc. Spent 30 years, and then the last three years of his ministry, he manifested his glory, he manifested his um, divinity, uh, and then finally suffered and went to the cross of Calvary and shed his precious blood and had his body broken so that you and I would have these new hearts that were ripe and ready to receive the good news that Yeshua had for us. And it all boils down to obedience. Am I going to do what I think is right, or am I going to do what God tells me is right? It's as simple as that. Finally, John 16, please. And verse, starting with verse 12. <clears throat> I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. I'll be back there in a minute. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. He shall show you things to come. He will give each and every one of us a prophetic word. It will not even come from the front here, but it'll come in your private prayer time. It'll come in the middle of the night. It'll come when you're in the shower. It'll come when you're driving to work. He will speak to your hearts. He will speak truth. And yes, there are times when he speaks that he will boggle your mind. Now, I'll tell you something. I've become an expert in that area over the last about five or six years. God started to speak to me five or six years ago about boggling my mind. I said, Lord, I don't even know what that means, but you go ahead and do whatever you think is best. You know. Then when it came, I said, Whoa, Lord, you're boggling my mind. I can't comprehend all this stuff. I can't understand it. And I could just see him sitting up there and smiling and saying, Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Good for you, son. And me coming back and saying, yeah, you're having all the fun up there. How about me? My mind's boggled. <laughs> what do I do with this boggled mind? And here it is right here. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. See, God was setting me up five or six years ago, telling me that he was going to boggle my mind. And then finally the time came for him to boggle my mind. And I, 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 I still couldn't bear them. I, 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 it was like, you know, like I'm a little brat. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. It's got to be done my way. How, 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 are you thinking about me? You think what's good for me? Me, 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 You know. And boy, God dealt with me quickly. <laughs> 
This is part of the bogglement, this lady over here. Yeah. She's a boggle. She's a boogler. That's a Jewish word for... No. <laughs> and he will show you things to come. That's awesome. But you know, sometimes when he shows us things to come, it's like, really? Are you serious? Couldn't you put this off a while? And, and yet, this is his divine plan for your life. This is where he wants you to go. This is what he's prepared you for. And now he's guiding and directing you. And we have the chutzpah, that is a Jewish word for nerve, we have the nerve to challenge him. I mean, how dumb is that? How dumb can you get and still breathe, right? <laughs> Bless the Lord. So this is what living in the new covenant is all about. It's, it's following the, the guidance and the direction of the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. I am so thrilled and privileged and honored to, to be a part of a Holy Ghost church with a man of God <laughs> Can I talk behind his back? Is it okay today? <laughs> Vinny, is it okay? <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> a man of God who is like heart and like spirit and loves the Holy Ghost as much as I do. <laughs> we, we came up together in this. Okay, that's another story. So, we need to understand that what God has done here in our lives is a supernatural occurrence. And the exciting thing is that he ain't finished. In fact, I believe he's just begun. We keep hearing, you know, by, by God's grace and his favor, I've been um, son of God for over 50 years now. That, that's a long time. Some of you ain't 50 years old, so you don't even know what that means. <laughs> but I've traveled halfway around the world and back, uh, 12 different foreign countries, Europe, Central America, South America, North America, and seen a lot of things and seen God move in a mighty and a powerful way. I've seen people healed. I've seen people delivered. I've seen people set free. I've seen whole churches change tremendously by the grace of God. And God said to us, you ain't seen nothing yet. So I can testify personally that's what hap what's happened over 50 years of my past life. And there's been a lot of stuff, and good stuff, exciting stuff, miraculous stuff, supernatural stuff. I mean, I could tell you stories for hours, but, but God has said, all of that pales to that which is about to come. Wow, does that boggle my mind. I can't comprehend that. 
and it's not important that I do. What is important is that I be. Hello. I be. I be what he wants me to be. I walk in what he wants me to walk. I obey when he says, do it. Obedience is key. Bless the Lord. Abba Father, I give you thanks today for being who you are. A great and a mighty God, an awesome God, a wonder-working God, a miracle-working God, a God of signs and wonders and miracles, a God who cares about me, a God who loves me, a God who wants good things for me, a God who desires to bless me so that I can be a blessing to others. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are here today. I pray for those who are not here. Lord, that you would bless them so that they could be a blessing. Lord, that you would make them world changers. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Each and every one of them this day, Lord. Allow them to leave this place renewed, refreshed, on fire for you, knowing that they know not only how much you love them, but what good, 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 good things you have in store for them. I pray a blessing upon their lives today. I pray for perfect, wonderful shalom. I pray that you be with them as they come, be with them as they go, be with them in all places at all times, Lord, and speak to their hearts. I give you praise and honor and glory today in the wonderful, mighty name of Yeshua. Amen and amen. Be blessed. the kingdom of God and his righteousness